Well, it's Palm Sunday. Um, if you don't know what that means, and you don't know why these kids were jumping around with palm branches, we're going to explain it to you a little bit. You didn't thought they was excited about planting flowers or whatever you thought. But man, this begins Holy Week, Week of Passion. And uh, we're going to start out with something pretty exciting. Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. If you're here today and you're a visitor, we welcome you. Good to have you. Good to see you. Amen. Stick around. We'll love you. When they came nigh to Jerusalem unto Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sendeth forth two of his disciples, saith unto them, Go your way into the village over against you, and as soon as ye be entered into it, ye shall find a colt tied, whereon never man sat. Loose him and bring him. And if any man say unto you, Why do ye this? Say ye that the Lord hath need of him, and straightway he will send him hither. And they went their way and found the colt tied by the door without in a place where two ways met, and they loose him. And certain of them that stood there <laughs> said unto them, What do ye loosen the colt? I just wonder, when I read this, I got to ask, I wonder if they nudged each other and said, Jesus said that he's going to ask that. Because he said, they're going to ask you why you're loosening the colt. If they ask you, and sure enough, they say, well, you don't loosen that colt. They'd be like, we knew he's going to say that. Jesus, uh, and they said unto him, even as Jesus had commanded, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and cast their garments on him, and he sat upon him. And many spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches of the trees and strawed them in the way. And they went before, and they that followed, crying, saying, let's read this together. Hosanna, blessed is he. Oh, well now, come on. Y'all dropped out so fast. Try that again. Hosanna. Oh, that sounds so much better. Verse 10. Blessed be the kingdom of our father David that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna. In the highest. Hosanna in the highest. One more verse. And Jesus entered into Jerusalem and into the temple. And when he had looked around about all things, and now the eventide was come, he went unto Bethany with the twelve. You can go ahead and be seated. Earl Nightingale said, most people tiptoe through life hoping to make it safely to death. Let me read that again. Most people tiptoe through life hoping to make it safely to death. You keep yourself safe so that one day you can die. And some of y'all tiptoe everywhere you go. Um, some of you call it tippy toe. I don't know what the difference is. But <clears throat> there's a saying. That saying that when you tiptoe through life, you're, go you're going to die anyway. This statement is not true concerning Jesus. Jesus didn't tiptoe anywhere he went. There's a prophecy about Jesus in Genesis 3.15. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. How do I know Jesus didn't tiptoe? Because his heel was on the ground. 
How do I know his heel was on the ground? Because it was bruising Satan's head. Jesus didn't tiptoe. Everywhere he went, he made noise. We talked about a little bit in Sunday school this morning. When he was born, Herod was bothered. He was troubled. And the Bible says, and all Jerusalem with him. So when Jesus is, first comes on the scene, the city is stirred up. We see here, as he begins his march toward Calvary, as he starts the week before, we see that Jesus is in Jerusalem, and guess what? The city is in a buzz again. Because when Jesus showed up, things changed. When Jesus, this, man, we got to understand that this wasn't just an ordinary Jewish man that lived in that time. There was something different about him. So when he walked in, Things change. The atmosphere changed. He said, I'm going to put enmity. A lot of us got to understand that we have a destiny. Our life should be a mission. You're not simply sent here to exist for a little while and then fade away. But you're here to make a mark. You're here to produce a legacy. You're here to pass on some things to people around you and your children. Can you say amen? God's not called you to come to church and sit on a pew every Sunday and not ever accomplish anything for the kingdom. But life is about mission. Life is about service. The Christian life is about expanding the kingdom. And we should be involved in that mission. Can you say amen? This is Palm Sunday. Jesus is beginning to move into something different. Up until this point, Brother Eddie, he is Messiah. He is teacher. He, he's the one that's imparting knowledge and, and doing miracles, and he's compassion, but, but, compassionate. But there's something going on on this day. On Palm Sunday, things begin to change. Jesus begins to step into a different role. He begins to move into a different realm. He begins to, to show forth his mission. They tried to make him king from time to time, but you would notice that when they would try to make him king, he would slip away because it wasn't time for him to become king yet. I know you're saying he was king when he got here. I'm talking about the king that he's getting ready to come become because he's getting ready to take over and destroy sin. That's my king. He's not just a king, but the Bible says that he's the king of all kings because not only did he conquer sin, he conquered death, and there was no other king before him that had ever done that. The fact is nobody had ever got up from the dead before unless somebody else raised them, but this king was going to do it different because he prophesied and said, destroy this temple, and in three days he didn't say somebody else will raise me up he said I will raise it up I'm telling you there's something different about Jesus we read throughout scripture and, and I want you to get this saying real quick it takes the whole Bible say that it takes the whole Bible to make a whole Christian because if we just read this story we don't understand what is really going on? We just think that Jesus is riding on a donkey. And I want you to notice, I don't read anywhere else in Scripture where he rode anything. Everywhere else in Scripture we find him walking until this day. Until this day, so this day must be different. And if you read throughout Scripture, it's like the story and, and the Bible is like a jigsaw puzzle. And if you take a piece over here, has anybody ever worked a really hard puzzle? How many pieces? Seven? 
How many pieces? Thousand? Thousand pieces? Have you ever looked at, looked at one of the pieces and you went, I see something down here in the corner. And it doesn't look like much. But when you find the spot that it goes, you're like, oh, I'm so glad I seen that little thing right there in the corner. This is the way the Bible is. You can read through it. And you look over and you glance over and you say, well, I know that's a piece, but I don't know exactly where it goes. Watch this. Genesis chapter 49, verse 11. Jacob is blessing his sons. He's telling them what they're going to do and what they aren't going to do. And he calls some of them out and he rebukes a couple. But uh, is that Genesis 49, 11? Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, Genesis 49, 11. Yep, back up a verse. Back up to verse 10. We'll get 11 in a minute. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh come. And unto him shall be gathering of the people be. He's saying, they're going to gather around him. Now watch this. Watch this next verse. It begins to tie things together, and it begins to give a little bit it's just a little piece, but it's just a little corner that begins to tell you, binding his foal unto the vine and his ass's colt unto the choice vine. He washed his garments in wine and his clothes in the blood of grapes. This sounds like craziness. When you read it, just read it like that. He's washing his garments in wine and his clothes in the blood of grapes. This seems like a horror movie. But when you start putting it all together, you start seeing there's a foal in there and there's some, there's some wine in there and there's some blood in there. And you start reading that this is a prophecy concerning what would happen on Palm Sunday. Jesus is beginning his journey. He's moving from Messiah to King. He's making a statement. Now, when they read this and they heard this prophecy, they begin to wonder, who's coming? Who are the people going to be gathered to? Zechariah takes it a step farther. Verse 9 and 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass and upon the colt and the foal of an ass. These Jews had to be wondering when this prophecy was given. History tells us that Eve thought that when he said, I'm going to put enmity between your seed and that seed, but he's going to bruise. She thought that when she bore Cain, that that prophecy was fulfilled and year after year as a man child was born, Brother Perry, they would rejoice hoping that that one was the Messiah. And they said, he's going to come in riding on the colt. He's going to come in riding on a donkey. I want to let you know that when Jesus told them go into the town and get the coal he was making a statement to about who he was it wasn't doing this haphazardly he said go tell them to loose it and I want to let you know that when a king would make a statement the people had to obey the statement he would begin to throw around his kingship and say go get the donkey and they put the donkey and they cover him up he was letting those people know there was a prophecy way back then about a king there was a prophecy. I 
want to let you know that that prophecy that was given way back here, I am him. I'm the one. I'm the Messiah. I'm the king. I'm the one that's going to win this battle. Do we understand that he didn't do this haphazardly? He said, go get the donkey. They put their garments on him and I believe it was John that said they sat him upon it. And when they made a king a king, Brother Eddie, they would set him upon a horse so that all the people could see. But this king was different. They begin to cry, Hosanna. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna. Hosanna. What does Hosanna mean? It simply means, oh, save. Save. Oh, save. Save us. Will you save us? We need to be saved. What they wanted to be saved from was Roman rule. They were tired of Rome governing over them. They thought that he would come in and conquer Rome. So they're all on board. It's amazing how fast they went from Hosanna to crucify him. It's amazing how quick they went from Hosanna, save us, to crucify him, crucify him. But Jesus understood his purpose. And when you understand purpose and you understand mission, then you understand that the crucifixion had to be done. He understood his mission. He came to seek and save that which was lost. This was not an easy journey. But he starts out by saying, I'm the only one worthy. I'm the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient Savior. And I want to serve notice to you today. That's my king. That's my deliverer. That's my savior. That's my power. That's my salvation. That's my joy. That's my peace. That's him riding on a donkey. That's him. And when you need peace, it's in Jesus. When you need power, it's in Jesus. When you need a king to overcome all your enemies, it's in Jesus. Your greatest enemy is sin. Your greatest struggle is the flesh. And there came one riding in. Oh, I picture it. It don't look majestic, but I understand the power of it. Kings ride on white stallions. Kings ride in on majestic horses. No, here comes my king. Meek and lowly, riding on a donkey. He didn't come to overthrow Rome. He came to overthrow sin. He didn't come to overthrow that kind of government. No, the Bible says, but the government shall be upon his shoulders. He didn't come to fight against the people of this world and the rulers of this world. No, he came to overcome principalities and he he came to overcome powers of darkness. Do we understand how powerful it is that Jesus begins to step up and say, I'm him, I'm him, I'm the king. We got to stop tiptoeing with our mission and our purpose. Well, preacher, I'm just a housewife. You got a mission. I said, you got a mission. Well, all I do is stay home and raise kids. You got a mission. You can impart truth into those kids. Oh, and quit letting the TV babysit them. Preach, preacher. Preach, preacher. You got an obligation to impart that truth into them. Don't be tiptoeing around it. The problem is when you're not sure 
They're not sure. People pick up on when you're not sure. Oh, What are you saying? You better be sure of your mission. You better know where you're headed. We've heard this taught so many times, but it would be Peter that would pull out a sword and cut off the ear of the servant when he came to take Jesus. They come in to take Jesus, this little Jewish teacher, and they send all of these skilled military professionals in to take Jesus. Peter pulls out a sword and he cuts off the man's ear. I truly don't believe that Peter was that skilled with the sword. He was a fisherman. I mean, just to cut his ear off, that's a good shot. I don't think Peter was aiming for his ear. I think Peter was aiming for his head. And here's what gets me. Jesus picks up his ear. Puts it back on the side of his head. And they still take him. I'd be like, nah man, we're good. We're good. Like you're the real deal. We ain't taking you nowhere. But he looks at Peter and he says, my kingdom's not of this world. Get the hints. What did he call him? One time he called him what? Satan. Why? Because he had a purpose. He had a mission. And in that mission, listen really close. If there's people in your life and they're trying to stop your mission, you better be careful with those people. Because your mission to Jesus is more important than your mission to anybody. Let me say that again. Your mission to Jesus is more important to anybody. Uh, well, I'm telling you, I need to be this and I need to be that. The first thing you need to do is have a relationship with Jesus. Because to be a good husband, you got to have a relationship with Jesus. To be a good wife, you got to have a relationship with Jesus. To be a good father, you got to have a relationship with Jesus. To be a good worker, you got to have a relationship with Jesus. To be a good witness, you got to have a relationship with Jesus. But man, when you got a relationship with Jesus, things change. We're tiptoeing. Jesus didn't tiptoe. He said, go get the coat. Bring it here. Put me on it. Because he's beginning his march toward Jerusalem. And on that march, they didn't quite understand what was going on. They didn't understand. The people didn't understand. So they're saying, save us. Now's the time. Now's the time. They're crowning him king at this time. But they're not crowning him with a kingly crown. No, he was crowned with the crown of thorns. Why? Because Andrew, he didn't come to rule this world in that way. He come to rule in righteousness and salvation. The just for the unjust. He that knew no sin was about to become sin. So many prophecies in the Old Testament point to what Jesus is doing. When you start seeing the whole Bible and you piece it together. Man, Robin, Jesus was a radical in his day. He didn't fit the bill. He irked the religious folks. Don't make that your goal in life to irk religious folks, but if you do, it's okay. Because they don't understand relationship. There's... There's a difference, Karen, between a person that understands relationship with Jesus and people that understand relations with a rule book. The rich young ruler came to Jesus. I've kept them all. 
I've, I, I've kept all these from my youth. Well, there's one thing you lack. It's that one thing that we lack that we need to get. Because if you got that one thing, then all the other things will fall into place. Can you say amen? Man, this is our king. That's my king. The king of all kings comes in to take over the realm of darkness. What we see is a little Hebrew man riding on a donkey. What hell seen was, we're in trouble. What we seen was this Jewish carpenter riding into town on this little donkey. And I don't know if you know this or not, but some churches for this service, for, they bring a donkey to church. I don't know why heard one preacher say he has enough problems with the donkeys in the pew to bring another one to church this king is taking his place in humility do you see this hosanna 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 as they wave their branches hosanna Save us. Save us. And then it didn't work out the way they wanted to work out, Jason. And just a few days later, they're crying with the mob, crucify him. Crucify him. How many times have you prayed a prayer? God, work it out for me. Hosanna, save me. Save me. Save me. And when it didn't work out, you know what you started doing? You started griping. I mean praying. I mean griping. Have you ever griped at Jesus? Have you ever said, God, I don't understand why it's not working out this way? I promise you, if it didn't work out that way, it work, it's going to work out a better way. It's going to work out because he cares for what belongs to him. Hosanna, save us, save us, crucify him. The whole time he's on mission. Are you on mission? Are you on mission? Or are you still... You walk around singing, tiptoe through the tulips. You better stand flat-footed. You better put your feet flat on the ground. You better get your stance ready because you're on mission. Because that's my king. Eddie, they said, the Bible's, hey, they're, they're going to hate you. Don't make that your goal. I've seen preachers, that it was their goal to make people hate them. I don't care if you like it or not, honey. It's the truth. Well, then why preach it if you don't care how I feel about it? Why try to convince me otherwise if you don't care? People don't care how much you know unless they know how much you care. Do you care enough to stop tiptoeing around it and go on mission? Every song, every, every worship song should be on mission. Every testimony should be on mission. Every day you live should be on mission. Every day you walk in this world, you should be on mission. Your life should be about mission. Can I preach to you for just a few more seconds? We got to stop wasting time and get on mission. We got to stop sitting on the outside and making excuses and get on mission. We, we got to stop sitting for hours and looking at things that don't mean anything in the scope of eternity and get on mission. We got to stop reading this and reading that and get on mission. Jesus was on mission. He didn't tiptoe about it. He walked right through. Oh, do we understand the power of his mission? Come on, musicians. 
Maybe we should call them Muse Missions. Every time you play an instrument, you should be on mission. It's not just about singing a song. It's about glorifying Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord, for a greater anointing. Thank you, Lord, for greater power. God, I'm thankful for what you've done so far. But, God, I'm not satisfied. I'm hungry, Lord. I'm hungry. God, I thank you for yesterday. I thank you for Friday. But, God, today's a new day. And there's a soul that needs encouraged today. God, help me not to look to the left or look to the right. But look to you, the author and finisher of my faith. Knowing that you set your face. Knowing, Lord, that you weren't distracted. Knowing, God, that there's so much greater that you can do through me. Your anointing, your power, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Do you know what your mission is? I hear this over and over and over from time to time. I don't know what God wants me to do. I don't know what God wants me to do. Would you worship him until you figured it out? There is the general will of God that we all have. I know there is something specific for you. But until he reveals it to you, I promise you, he didn't call you to sit on a pew and do nothing. He didn't call you to come to church as a social club. But he called you for a purpose. You have a purpose in the kingdom. I don't care where you work, you got a purpose. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. You are supposed to be living epistles. What's that? Red of all men. That means it, I, can, I, can, I can watch you for just a minute. Watch you for a couple days. It doesn't take long for me to figure out what you like. If I talk to you for just a little while, it doesn't take very long at all before you to tell, tell me what you're interested in. I can learn who you are by hanging out with you. And boy, you can tell when somebody's on mission. You can tell when somebody's life is about Jesus. Can you say amen? Now I'm going to tell you right now, that felt so good praying for Josh. I want to pray for somebody else. If you feel like you got a mission, you got a purpose, and you don't know exactly what that is, would you let me pray for you? Because I've been there. I've been there. I've been in those places. I've been there when I was like, God, I, I, I don't know exactly what it is, God. Will you, will, you, will, you, will you tell me? Will you tell me? Amen. I'm not going to tiptoe around it. But I want to know what it is, God. And I know you're able to reveal. Would you stand to your feet? Would you point your hand this way? Would you help me pray?